How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. So we're talking about how easy it is to win press conferences. Even, even at the end of a disappointing season, it's not that hard if you're just honest and you just kind of own it. Like, really- like Chud won the opening day press conference. Yes, Chud. Um... I can't remember if Pat Shermer did. Hey, Pat Shermer might be the the, the, the anomaly, anomaly here, because yeah. he just was so low Mike energy. Pettin did. Oh, Pettin did. Good bloody, bloody your nose. The dude won. Not just that. The dude won press conferences time after time. Everything's better. I mean, Chud's eating biscuits. I mean, it, dog biscuits. Everything's better after a win. Talking about coitus. I mean, Hugh Jackson's here, baby. Hugh Jackson's here, baby. Like, I just do we have that somewhere. Dude? It's <laughs> it's just not that difficult. And But we got into how easy it is to win a press conference, but we talked about the people who hadn't won a press conference, and you described Ben McAdoo is that guy with the mustache. He's, from the Packers. He's from the Packers. And wore the big suit. And wore the big suit. And I kept, for some reason, when we're because we're talking about New York teams, I was like, what Jets coach? Is that a mustache? Wore the big suit. The fact that I completely... Limited myself to the Jets is is telling of ben my McAdoo's own thing. Ben McAdoo's outfit for his opening day press conference is like what you would wear if you were like a disguise in some some old comedy flick. Oh, hey, see, Hugh Jackson's here, baby. See, what right. I was thinking more is it would be like if you were one of Tony Soprano's henchmen, or was that? I was thinking of the tracksuit. Remember when he started the tracksuit? Yeah, and the slick back hair that was not great. Yeah. I'm... I think, I think Ben McAdoo looked too nice for that to be a henchman. Yeah. Like he'd be like the loan shark that just warned you instead of breaking your legs and taking yeah. your soul. That makes sense. Yeah. We are having the conversation about Kevin Stefanski, and I don't know. I think the greater question here, be Quaker. <laughs> how confident are you that this is a one-off? And I think the other way to ask this is, are you already expecting a disappointing 2023? Because four months ago, my biggest doubt and biggest doubts about the Browns were Joe Woods, mm-hmm. were about uh, how quickly Deshaun Watson can be great. Can you stay buoyant until Deshaun Watson comes back? And maybe defensive tackle and, and, and second wide receiver. Four months later, my biggest doubt about next year is Kevin Stefanski, specifically as a leader. And that's really tough to overcome no matter what they do this offseason in terms of building the roster or even whom they hire as defensive coordinator. Look, I'm just scared to death because we're not going to like it's it's there's going to be so much pressure on next season and the pressure is going to happen so quickly and if they don't get off to a good start, then it's over. And and this we we've seen this team's not they're not strong mentally. 
they're not a team that can start two and six and still make the playoffs. I almost feel like with what you just said, hiring a Brian Flores absolutely might impact my expectations for next year because if Stefanski bleeps the bed the first six games, he'll be I, gone and then you make Flores the coach. Now, I don't know. Is that something Flores would be interested in? Is that something that Jimmy could promise somebody on the down low? Like, there's a lot of questions that come from that. Right. But that's like one of the few things. Having somebody on the staff that – I'm not talking about that Jimmy could Jeff Saturday or Jimmy could uh, – who is the dude in Denver? Jerry Rosberg, who was out of the NFL before Nathaniel Hackett hired him to be his game it, management it, coach and then became the and interim. And became the interim coach and now is retiring. I'm not even talking about Greg Williams. There was no way Greg there was Greg, no way Greg was ever going to get that job. There was no way he was ever going to get the full-time job. I'm talking about hiring somebody. Kind of kind of would love to see it. Oh, it would have been different. Oh, I know. The, the, Dorsey and I'm, Williams. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say like Dorsey and Greg Williams would have been a meathead sandwich. They'd have been they'd have been a tough ass team. I'm not sure they'd win. I'm not sure Dorsey but they, but and But they'd Williams, be biting uh, kneecaps. I'm, I'm not sure Dorsey and Williams wouldn't have ended up going toe-to-toe and knocking each other out at some point either. But it would have been fun to watch. There would, there would have been some sort of a bar brawl between the two of them, and I don't know who wins. Ryan, welcome to the show, Ryan. What you got, buddy? Hey, guys. I got a solution for the, the fancy play calling and uh, head coaching uh, issue. What if he gave the... Um, situational play calling slice of the playbook to AVP, and which is where he's worst at, right? That's what Stefanski's biggest problem was. Two minutes and fourth down, uh, red zone, that kind of stuff. What if he gave that to AVP, and then that would allow him to do coaching duties during those critical times? What do you guys think about that? So he would more be in plan of, or in charge of like the game plan and scripting like the first two series, right? Is that what you're saying? I mean, I would I would say it'd be like inside the, like the in between the two twenties and regular gameplay. He can go ahead and and there's not a lot of head coaching stuff going on there. But when it's like fourth down, red zone, um, two minutes, that slice of the of the playbook is run in practice and run during the game by AVP. Uh, it gives AVP something to do and to kind of focus on. And Stefanski was bad at it anyways. Mm-hmm. But then also he can kind of put on the head coach headphones during that period and think about, all right, are we going to go for the field goal if this doesn't work? Are we going to go on fourth? Like he can kind of transition to head coach mode because ADP picks up that slice of the, of the gameplay. I think the only thing I struggle with that, and thank you for the call, Ryan. The only thing I really struggle with that is why does he need to have control of it at all? Like why is that? I mean, because listen, if he just came out and said, listen, guys, it's my favorite part of the job. Okay, well, maybe you probably shouldn't be a head coach then, but I would I would at least understand that kind of honesty. Like, that's why I'm here. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think it's an all or nothing thing, right? And and listen, like in Kansas City, it's a little bit of Bietemi. It's a little bit of Andy Reid. It's a little bit of, well, when uh, Kafka, the uh, the quarterback's coach, was there, it was a little bit of all three of them. You, I just, I at this point, because to me, if you let him do it halfway, then Kevin's shown he's going to take that over. And again, I think he needs to show some sort of penance for a second disappointing season. That just because you got the best that anybody's ever gotten out of Jacoby Brissett, it it doesn't mean you got anything close to the best out of Deshaun Watson. Here's the other thing. I haven't even mentioned this. 
Isn't this the like, you know, the idea is, and Mary Kay had said it in the clip we played the first segment of the show. Well, if it's not working a year from now, you can just swap that out. One, if it's not working a year from now, Kevin Stefanski will not no, be the head coach. There's, there's no Browns. more like like after four years. First off, it's rare for coaches to get four years when you finish the bottom of your division mm-hmm. three years in a row. Um, he's not getting a fifth year. And even if he did, why isn't this year the logical place for him to not be the play caller? Because we've already talked about, we heard from Deshaun Watson and Kevin Stefanski, they're going to rework the entire offense. They're And, and they're going to build in, bring in uh, spread concepts. Well, how about you empower that spread senior offensive assistant and AVP and remove one player or one part of that play-calling equation? Because otherwise, it's it could be really, really messy having another cook in the kitchen if you're going to have to put in spread concepts and bring in an assistant coach to work those into your offense. Yeah. Now's I, the right I, time. I, I just think there's, there's a, a certain lack of awareness by this staff that they just feel like, everything's hunky-dory and it's not and what's the opposite of hunky-dory um funky dory (laughs) no that's a wrestler uh crappy dory funk that's what i was thinking of crappy not not good not good enough fireable some might say fireable yeah Yeah. there you go yeah not great bob bill welcome to the show buddy what you got for us hi guys love your show uh love listening to it on my afternoon drive um hey the thing that we're afternoon drive the Browns is if you look, I think every year you lead the league or we're at the top five in penalties. Now, why is that? It's because of discipline. The team has none. And that right there is the, the, the whole root of the problem. You don't have any accountability. There's no, di- there's no discipline. Stefanski was hired because of his play calling. That's why, you know, he got the job. That and because he embraces analytics, I think, and he works well with with Andrew Barry. But on the defensive side, we got to get stronger in the middle. Our deep, uh, we got ran on way too much in the middle of the line, and that was the real problem with our defense. And then, although we had talented people in the secondary, they didn't never seem to be on the same page. And that's why we had all these open receivers. Like, uh, tell me, how can Pickett, the top receiver on Pittsburgh's team, be so wide open? And the other thing Pickens. that defense does, is it seems every time we score, then we give up a score right after that. They don't go in and shut a team down like they should. And I think that's what costs Wood his job. We need a defensive court. We need some fire on that defense, and we need some bulk and some size. You know, Bill, and- I think multiple things can be true, and I thank you for the call. Um, I think Joe Woods paid the price for two straight slow starts to the defense, and players checked out on him. I think all the finger pointing, I think so much of what you saw defensively, like did the Browns' defense have glaring holes? Yes, it did, specifically a defensive tackle. Yeah. But you can overcome holes up the middle. And now, granted, the middle linebacker thing, that that hurts you, especially not having kind of a bigger middle linebacker until Reggie, uh, Reggie Ragland got here. But, like, everything you saw from the Browns was over, uh, you could be overcome. If you've got a good 
uh, a great if, – if your secondary is playing at the highest level, it wasn't the first five games of the year, six games of the year. If your secondary is playing at a high level, that's as good, as impactful to an NFL game as having a great pass rush. So if even the secondary just showed up week one, you would have won at least one more game. Why? Well, Joe Woods didn't get it done. But you know who brought back Joe Woods for another year? Kevin Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski. And at some point, the Browns have to learn nuance. They have to learn the idea of there's an in-between the giant extremes. And those in-betweens are things like, well, you're not going to be the play caller anymore. Well, you're going to have a new defensive coordinator. Well, maybe Paul DePodesta is now third on the totem pole instead of one on the totem pole. Those are all things that you can do. And I understand, you know what, listen, I do understand the lack of transparency from the Browns organization. Jimmy Haslam, D. Haslam, and everybody in that, specifically D. Podesta, has been attacked by local media and by fans. So maybe they feel attacked and they don't trust us enough. That's also an excuse. It doesn't matter. This isn't the feelings business. It's the football business. No if doubt. If you're not winning, use your words and explain it like an adult. Uh, interesting report coming out of the NFL. Uh, Sean McVay's future uh, in doubt. There's been a lot of talk that uh, after last year that he could have walked away. Now, even more thoughts. Uh, the report saying that uh, he's permitted his coaching staff to search for other jobs without resistance. And uh, McVeigh said in a meeting he doesn't know what he'll do next year and won't block those who want to explore opportunities. If Raheem Morris doesn't get a head coaching opportunity, I would not hate Raheem Morris being the defensive coordinator here either or a candidate for the job here, Dusty. I'd be cool with that. Yeah. So that's latest from the NFL. And uh, you and I talked a lot last night at the end of the show in our Nick and Dusty parlay <laughs> about the fear of betting on the national championship game. Yeah. And those fears came true as Georgia just kicked the, the ever-loving yes. bleep out of TCU. It, it was a bloodbath from like, what, uh, seven minutes in, eight minutes in? Uh, pretty much, yeah. I, I, I mean, there, up- there, It was over. I mean, when TCU fumbled on their second possession of the game, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, they held them to three, okay. And then they scored and they made it 10-7. I'm like, oh, maybe we got a little game here. Then they never scored again. So I had the over. I had said this. I had had the over 32 for the first half. Yeah. So I, I stayed you nailed that. up until that. And then that's about when I checked out on it. I just think you knew. Like, there was a point. I think it was after they got, what was it? I think it was 31 to 7. Once once they were up by that, once Georgia was up that much, there was just no amount. Like, I, I saw a bunch of people on Twitter being like, wow, TCU's a come-from-behind team. I'm like, yeah, against Texas. <laughs> yeah, against Oklahoma State. Georgia's not exactly the team you're going to come from no. behind, it, specifically if you're TCU. Does it make you feel better, though, if you're an Ohio State fan? Does it shine a different light on Georgia, what Ohio State was able to do? No, that's a good question. I asked you before the show, I said, does this make you feel better about Ryan Day mm-hmm. and the job that he's done and how talented that team is? Because for the Buckeyes to be one point away from beating the team that just absolutely dismantled TCU last night in the national championship game. Does that make is is there any sort of like silver lining there? I don't know. Ohio State fans will accept it. They should. 
I don't have a doubt in my mind. If Ohio State had been the team, if Ohio State, if, if uh, Ruggles makes that kick <laughs> and Ohio State's in that game last night, I think Ohio State dusts him. Maybe not 65-7, to seven, but it's, it's, a, it's a three touchdown game. And it's probably over at halftime as well. And it's interesting because like, that is how we should think of this. I I know nobody likes to, but like, if if you don't beat, or sorry, if you don't lose to Michigan, right, you're probably in that game anyways. And if that game's one week later, maybe you win it, considering you didn't win it because of a missed field goal, kick. right, right. So yeah, I I think what it goes to show, I think it shows a few things. One, it shows how that Ohio State's still in that class. It's right there with Georgia. Alabama has not played like it the last couple of years, but Alabama's right there. Dude, Alabama could have won that game last night. I So Marlon Humphreys, Ravens and, and former Alabama cornerback, was like, man, they should have just put Alabama in. I actually disagree. No, I mean, listen, TCU earned the right to be there. They beat Michigan handily. Yes. Um, And that's what the playoffs are all about. It doesn't matter if the team that is not the best team um, gets to the championship game, they earned the right to get in there. Didn't it also? And they also proved the right to be in the playoff by beating Michigan the way that they did. Which should also chap your ass. The yeah. team, the team that you went toe to toe with, down to the wire, uh, could have and should have won. That game went and dusted the team that completely dusted the team that dusted you in your home stadium. And look, which is the reason you had to play Georgia in the first round of the playoffs in the first place. There's look, a lot of dusting. Look, there. I'm not going to sit here and, and play, you know, revisionist history and, and say that, you know, hey, Ohio State um, could be national champions today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course they could be. And had they beaten Georgia, they probably would be. Mm-hmm. But guess what? They didn't. Well, I, I think it's less of they could have and should have. I, I think it's more just there were so many people who wanted to fire Ryan Day after the second Michigan loss. I think this is a reminder. You're right there. There's a reason that Jim Knowles was trending last night. Yeah. I I still think you got to give Knowles a second. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. What I mean yeah. is... And by the way, you saw how talented that Georgia team is in that yeah. offense. I mean, dude, they brought in like their third stringers mm-hmm. and they all look like NFL running backs. Yeah. I just think there's been enough turnover on the staff now. That, that that is one area of patience you have to have with Day, is specifically on the defensive side of the ball. Like we can say, what we want. replacing Kerry Coombs is really really tough. Replacing a lot, and it's not just him. It's look at the other guys that have walked away. I mean, even under Urban, look at mm-hmm. the amount, look at the amount of times they've had to replace the defensive coordinator, especially when you're switching systems, like going from a traditional four three to to three three five. It just takes time. And by the way, in the first year of that defense, which a lot of people hated, you were one play away from beating the absolute best team. But be- you know what, though? Here's the other part of this. Georgia's also on their own island right now. Because even though Ohio State was right there with them, yeah. that's a talent thing. And there are a couple teams that do have the talent to play with, with Georgia. Very few teams actually have the talent and the culture to play with Georgia. And right. Georgia's culture... Because I, I saw somebody... I'm telling you, the second I saw TC walk on the field, and again, I had a, I had a small wager on uh, TCU Moneyline, so I'm like, you know, it's more like a heart bet, not yeah. like a, I feel great about this bet. Mm-hmm. But when I saw them walk on the field and I saw Georgia, I just, as a former player, I could just tell TC was toast. Yeah. Before the game started. 
it, it also they just looked overwhelmed. It it looked like um it looked like Rey Mysterio walking into a fight with the Undertaker. Like it's sure just Georgia is just bigger. And but stronger. Ohio State, it didn't feel that way. When Ohio yeah. State was on the – and by the way, Georgia respects Ohio State, and they know that they could lose to Ohio State. So um, Keith brings up the point. He wonders, wonders if they, sh- they should have uh, – the committee should have seated TCU fourth, and they could have had a – I mean, I would have much rather seen Ohio State play uh, Georgia last night. Yeah, I would have. But I think the thing with that – so you would have had – the first-round matchup would have been uh, Ohio State matchup. I think you have to save that one. Like the, when, the Ohio State Michigan matchup. When, when you expand the playoffs, they have to be opposite side of the brackets. They cannot be anywhere near each other. I think the only because I, I do wonder, and I feel the same way about like Alabama and Georgia, or like um, Tennessee and Florida, like the great rivalries in college football. I think you have to try every time mm-hmm. you build that that playoff bracket going mm-hmm. forward. You have to try and maximize that rivalry by making sure the only way it happens is in a national title game. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know. I mean, I I I think I honestly I thought it was going to be Ohio State Michigan playing in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. The way that they, you know, now granted TCU 13-1 conference uh they go to a conference championship game, of course they lose that, but I mean I I thought if you just look at the eye test, I mean, you think Ohio State's a better team than than TCU, but neither here nor there. Uh, be normal saying so why are you so sure that ohio state would have beaten tcu tcu beat michigan and michigan crushed ohio state so how does that math math add up uh because the ohio state that showed up on the field against michigan was not the same team that showed up against georgia that's why the michigan game was the anomaly almost every other game this year ohio state not just beat but beat the holy crap out of whoever they faced that's why. And because Ohio State and Georgia, talent-wise, are on the same level. TCU's not. I, no, I'll, I mean, be- like, I, I said this before the game. I, I felt like um, it's funny Ohio State plays in the Big Ten, but they're, but they're built to play in the SEC. Yeah. No, that's a really great point. And you, I do want, you know what, given that you said that. Um, like, honestly, the way Michigan plays the game probably is, you know, that was a – that was a tough matchup for Ohio State. And I wonder if seeing that, I wonder if and now that more money's coming to the Big Ten and you're expanding, the, I do wonder if any other programs are going to try and follow that recipe. Right? Like Purdue was never going to be able to be anything other than a Big Ten team if they want to be good. Illinois. That's why Brett Bielema's had such success. That's a Big Ten team with a, with a footprint, a yeah, traditional they Big score Ten team. 17 points a game and then also hold their opponents to 13. But like, well, like what USC is like, doing. That's like old school Big Ten football. Uh, you know who's you know who's actually a really great traditional Big Ten team? UCLA. Look at look at the yeah. power that Chip Kelly has built in his lines and how they play. But I'll tell you, USC will be an SEC team in the Big Ten. Oh uh, yeah, under oh, under yeah. under I mean, Lincoln Riley. I'll, I'll, yeah, they should be. I mean, I kind of think. Okay. And by the way, if they're if, kind of if, a Big Twelve if, team because they don't play it, defense this year, right? It, by the way, if you if USC is not in the playoff next year, Lincoln Riley's been a pretty big disappointment. It's it's gonna it's gonna go from zero to ten real quick. Oh Norman. yeah, yeah. The the patience that like, you have to in have Norman, the Heisman Trophy winner back yep. and with that offense and expectations and playing in the Pac twelve, which there's not a lot of resistance mm-hmm. outside of maybe Oregon or or Washington once in a while. I think Washington will be good next year with Penix coming back. But 
uh, yeah, that that'll be fascinating to see. But like I like who are the teams in the the Big Ten that could actually even try to challenge to try and play that SEC style of football? I think Penn State could. I just don't know James Franklin's the guy to do it. Um, you would think Wisconsin's the kind of job with the resources. Did you see they just got another four star portal guy, they, a quarterback, which is interesting. Which they've and they've never had like a legit NFL like four star type uh, quarterback like ever. And it's funny because Luke Fickle left Cincinnati because the the portal was pissing him off, and, and now he's using that. Portal. Now he's using that portal. Two one six five seven eight double zero nine two. Does Georgia's throttling of TCU change the way you guys saw uh, Ohio State going toe to toe down to the wire? I shouldn't say toe to toe because Noah Ruggles too soon. But does that change the way you saw how Ohio State's season went? Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.